Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. And a very, very special night. It is draft night here in End Zone Land. And I am joined today by two very special guests back from uh, n- nearly a two week hiatus. It, it is, it's Bradford Sonnenberg with us all the, all the way from Alberta, Canada with his Oilers on the brink of moving on to the second round on Saturday night. That is a game I am very, very excited to watch in the Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, his national team beliefs looking as if they may be blowing yet an, uh, another 3-1 lead in a series as they are one to do and then of course i'm joined by our good good friend who hasn't been on this show for a while but is very much a part of the end zone podcast universe it is brian brown a man who ryan kearney had decided to throw a draft party so we we couldn't get our senior draft analyst but brian brown he he is our uh, junior analyst junior draft analyst <laughs> and uh he 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 is a wonderful uh, draft analyst about a guy who watches a ton of college football so hopefully he can help us out here throughout the night boys how are we doing the first round has been crazy so far all cards on the table we are recording this at the 20th pick in the draft with the hopes that we'll be done about the time the draft wraps so we can cover every pick I just didn't want to force you guys to be up until like 11 o'clock at night. So I I thought we would start a little bit earlier tonight and and talk about the draft. That way, without further ado, we don't have much time for chit-chat. We we can do all the chit-chatting within the show. Let's just get into it. First pick of the NFL draft, pretty boring, pretty, pretty chalk. Bryce Young goes to the Carolina Panthers, Bradford. Obviously, the Panthers did a lot on offense this this offseason. They bring in Adam Thielen. They change some things up in their running back room. With all the moves they made, how are you feeling about the Panthers going into 2023 in a division that feels like one of the most wide open in the NFL? I mean, if Bryce Young's that guy, they win the division straight up. Like, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I like the pick a lot. Like I didn't, I didn't mind uh, CJ Stroud to the Panthers either. I thought that one made a lot of sense too, and that kind of seemed to be the prevailing wisdom for for a while. But I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I've never really bought into any of these like you know insider guys. And you see reports where it's like, oh, Will Love is Michael number one. We gotta stop listening to these guys, man. We gotta stop giving them oxygen. This is this is getting ridiculous. Like Bryce Young's the pick. Bryce Young's the best quarterback in this class. He's the most special, I think. And I feel good about the Panthers. I also, I also want to, I also want to preface this. I'm, I'm sorry if my, uh, my audio quality is a little echoey. I, I'm coming at you live from, from a, from a, a, a singular mattress in the corner of a, of a basement bedroom, of a house that I, I very recently moved into, and I, I, I worry that it's, that it's echoing a little bit in here. Not to mention my cat Tony is, is kind of throwing a tantrum outside that I'm not giving him attention right now. But beyond that, I'm good. The Panthers are good. Uh, solid pick. What that Panthers offense looks like, by the way, right now, I like to do this on draft night after round one. Pretty, pretty formidable. You know, you've got Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, two very solid NFL wide receivers, and a guy I like in Terrace Marshall Jr., who has just not had a ton of NFL quality quarterbacks 
throwing to him, I think he has a pretty decent ceiling. And then you look at a, a defense that obviously has a lot of good pieces in, in guys like Derek Brown and Yutor Gross Matos and Shaq Thompson and Brian Burns and back at, at cornerback, obviously, J.C. Horn, who who really stepped up and played well last year. Yeah, I I think you're right, Bradford. If Brett, if Bryce Young is the guy, that the path is very clear for the Panthers to win this division this year. Brian, Bryce Young, as far as quarterbacks we've seen over the past few years coming into the NFL, where would you kind of put him uh, compared to some of the other guys we've seen? Uh, I don't think he's a game wrecker in terms of change the game type quarterbacks we're we're seeing a stretch right now where we've been on an absolute heater of quarterbacks in the terms of seeing trevor lawrence finally emerge last year right justin fields is going to have a solid offensive line in front of him he's a quarterback that early on was projected to be even better than trevor lawrence so it's going to be fascinating to watch his emergence right and he's got some weapons now finally it's not just him scrambling for his life every single play and and that's not even getting to the herberts and 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 everybody else that have been coming up over years over years so when you compare Bryce Young to those guys he doesn't really look like anything special but I think really what what's in the sauce with Young is he's never going to put you in a bad position he can make plays when he needs to make plays he's going to make the logical choice he is just not a we've, we've kind of gotten in the superhuman era of NFL quarterbacks and I don't think Bryce Young is anything superhuman right undersized doesn't have the massive arm strength. He can make off-platform throws. He's incredibly capable as a quarterback, and, and he's a guy that's come from stock, right? So modern-day high school, known for developing quarterbacks, uh, played at Alabama, played under a, a, a former NFL and now current NFL offense coordinator and Bill O'Brien there. So he's had the development. He's been part of the Elite 11. He's gone through all the trials. So I don't think you have to worry about his you know, off-the-field stuff, his – make up as a quarterback it's just you know how many times can he get hit and get back up again that's really what it boils down to and and you know to Bradford's point like they're probably the favorites to win that division and I guess that speaks either to you know what Carolina's done or what that division is made up of but uh you know I think down the road he may be a top 15 top 20 NFL QB or Panthers may be shopping in a few years it's 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 he was the best one of this class, but it's still a risky pick in, in a lot of ways. Moving on, the Texans first throw the first really surprising part point of this draft together. Uh, we'll, we'll just tackle both picks. Obviously, with their second pick, they take C.J. Stroud. A lot of smoke that they were not going to do that. But this is was, to me, the pick that made sense. You have a quarterback there. Go get a quarterback. See if you can develop him. Worst comes to worst, he doesn't pan out, and you have a shot at another quarterback next year. And then you trade up your worst pick next, your worst first-rounder next year that you have with Deshaun Watson, and a fourth, basically, to move up to the third overall pick from the Cardinals from 12. I thought that was a masterful trade by Nick Casario, and they take Will Anderson Jr., who many consider to be the best defensive player in this draft. I would certainly agree with that assessment. Brian, it's kind of wild. I I know that the Texans have had a lot go against them the past few years, and I I know there's a lot to prove. But with some of the free agent signings they made, bringing in guys like Robert Woods and Dalton Schultz to their organization, 
I, I think that they, and, and not to mention guys like Devin Singletary to give Damian Pierce their standout rookie running back last year some help. And they have a pretty good offensive line. I I can just see myself being one of these people that by the time August rolls around, who might be saying, hey, I know you mean, you know, look out for the Texans to sneaky be competing for the AFC South, because I, I believe they, they made some terrific moves this offseason. And I know there are still pieces to go on the defense, but adding a guy like Will Anderson Jr., it gives you a truly special pass rusher with D'Amico Ryan's coaching him up. I just feel like the huge winner of the draft tonight, if we're talking about winners and losers, has to be the Houston Texans. Yeah, I mean, I guess hmm, I I think given their position and everything else and what they were able to make of it, and, and, you know, Bradford talked about this, we all thought they were going with anybody but C.J. Stroud up until about the last hour before the draft, and those odds started shifting dramatically in his favor, right? So it's it's either a huge credit to Nick Casario for busting out all the smoke screens. Uh, It's a major indictment on a lot of the insiders, so to speak, even though, uh, I think it was DJ. I think Daniel Jeremiah actually said, like, if if I'm picking it, this is how I'm going. And he had Stroud going second. You know, Stroud is another one of those dudes. I'm not going to say can't miss because everybody has those those fallibilities, but he's as a can't miss as you can get as a, as a quarterback. When we talked about it on football breakdowns, uh, my point was if you go get D'Amico Ryan's, the guy that he wants in Will Anderson, and then parlay your quarterback into next year, that's not a bad move at all, right? Like you're just going to kind of compete with what you've got and then hope that somebody can come in next year. Well, they just stepped up the process one year, and, and so that roster isn't any less ready to compete, right? He Like, CJ's stepping into a pretty good offensive line unit, you know, guys that can protect him, some decent weapons, as you pointed out, Schultz and, and Robert Woods coming in. And, you know, I think Robert Woods, for lack of being a game-breaker or a massive playmaking wide receiver – He's a great uh, teddy bear wide receiver, right? Where you can just kind of wrap your your arms around him and, and, and be comfortable and know that he's going to catch the ball and you know, get you ten or fifteen yards if you need it. And I think for C.J. Stroud, who where his you know his game and his makeup is made up in those kind of decision making areas, whatever the S two rating is, that feels like one of those things where it's just like there's a massive amount of uh, unknown in that one right now. Um, I think that's a great setup for a first-year QB. Asking those guys to go out and win a division the first year, I think it's asking a lot. But I think really where Houston is at is now they're building forward. And, you know, I think to go – this draft only had a few real dudes, right? And Houston went and got two of them. So I think that's a pretty big win in, in that regard. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I if I like the smoke about the Texans winning the division. Let's Let's be very clear. It was always the Jaguars. They're going to run circles around these guys next year. But I think I think I do like the 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 speeding up of the process. I mean, I mean, why wait? You do have the extra draft capital to spend. I feel like it's I don't know if it's the right direction, but for a franchise like the Texans, the fact that for once they seem to have like they have a direction, I think Ooh. is positive. Like usually these franchises, they just kind of flail about. And it's like the Texans are trying something. And I, I commend that. It's the same reason I commend the Panthers for the trade-up. It's like, 
you, you're doing something. And I, and I, I think that taking those gambles is really important as a franchise. And I kind of hope it works out for the Texans here. Yeah. I, listen, that's a franchise that's kind of a mess in the, in the front office. Right. And I think Casario's going in and throwing his stuff on the table and saying, fire me now. Right. Like I'm making these moves. We're going to make mm-hmm. this into a contender. I think they got a, a gangbuster head coach in D'Amico Ryan's. I really do. I think that's a guy that's going to create some culture and do some good things. It'll be, We'll we'll see how they do offensively, right? I think that's always the key is can you get an offensive coordinator as a defensive coach that really, you know, keeps you in the games. But um it, like parity is is the, one of the best parts of the NFL, right? Like like it can go from year to year. And, you know, I, I do think the Jaguars are the team to beat in that division, but a few injuries here and there, who knows, right? And and then once you get to the playoffs, we've seen a team can really make strides and that can be such a leapfrog moment. Now, hard part about the AFC is that you're dealing with murderers row of, of QBs, no matter what, to try and make it to the Super Bowl. right? It's Mahomes, it's Burrow. It's, I, I mean, I guess you can throw Herbert on that list and maybe even Trevor Lawrence now too. Um, in addition to Josh Allen, who, how the hell did I forget his name? But Lamar Jackson, who yeah, Lamar got locked down Raven. today. Yeah, and, and, like they just drafted Zay Flowers, right? The Ravens just drafted Zay Flowers. So now they've got Zay, they've got OBJ. There's rumors that they're going to go de- get uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So now all of a sudden they're back in the game, right? Like doing things, you know? So I think uh, at, at the very least, the Texans have started their momentum moving forward, and I think that's a good thing. The Colts do what the Colts had to do at this point. At pick four, Anthony Richardson, you know, it's no no surprise. I love this guy. I know there's huge bust potential. I get it. There, there is. He, he does not have a, a ton of great tape in college. But you know who else didn't have a ton of great ta- tape in college? Jalen Hurts. And Anthony Richardson lands with the guy that made Jalen Hurts into what he is today. They have Gardner Minshew if they want to bring him in slow. I don't think that's happening. I think his legs get him on the field. Daniel Jeremiah was saying this early in the draft process, but, I mean, for an X's and O's guy like like Brian, I just want to, like, throw this out to you. Like, what are you going to do when they run a zone read with Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson? Like, who who are you going to tackle in that, in that scenario? Because both those guys are pretty damn good runners, and I, I – for the first time, really since the Andrew Luck era, to me, the Colts are exciting and fun to watch. And as someone who just likes those kind of blue bub franchises, call me a sucker because I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. I like it when the Colts are good. And I am super excited to see this next era of Colts football. And I, I really hope this works out. And if it does, I mean, look out. You're just adding another tremendous quarterback to the list of guys in the AFC because Anthony Richardson, his ceiling can definitely be one of those guys. I think Bradford, your thoughts on Anthony Richardson going to the Colts here. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I completed more passes than Anthony Richardson, but I think, I think that, I think that I like it as is uh, so risky, but also like, what are the Colts going to uh, achieve by just, you know, remaining in mediocrity. I I, I kind of like the home run swing. Uh, Richardson, it, very enticing. I I was kind of thinking about the Jonathan Taylor thing as well. I mean, those two guys together. That's 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 kind of brutal to deal with. I feel like, huh, 
I, I'm not crazy about this Colts roster. I feel like they kind of had a couple years there to really do something, and they didn't do something, and now they're just kind of in this weird liminal in-between space. But, like we were saying, weaker division. Uh, I'm more of a proponent that Richardson might be better off taking a year uh, before before he tries to come in because there's some, some serious fundamentals that he needs to work on. I just disagree with that, though. Because part of that, and I, and I want your thoughts on this, Brian. Part of it is he just did not play that much football. He just has not played that much football in his career. And we saw with a guy like Trey Lance. They tried to do the whole, like, sit this guy for a year and get him ready. And now we don't know what Trey Lance is three years into his career. And they're thinking about trading him. I think with these guys that are raw and need time, what needs to happen is you need to expect this to be a process. And Chris Ballard, honestly, I think has job security because of this pick, because he can now pitch to Jimmer and say, hey, this guy's not going to be great in year one. He might not be great in year two, but let's give this guy three years to get NFL snaps, to play full NFL seasons and see if he develops. And I mean, you read the piece on The Athletic this week, which really changed my mind a little bit about Richardson in that he's working with one of the best quarterback coaches in the country right now. Scouts said his footwork significantly improved between the tape he showed at Florida and what he did at the scouting combine. He's going to have a full offseason. He'll get in with the Colts coaching staff. He'll continue to work on his own off the field. He seems like a guy who is really motivated and really wants to be the best. I, I just feel like there is a good shot of it, you know, People make it sound like it's like a 40-60 shot he pans out. I think it's more of a coin flip. I think it's 50-50, but you just got to give him time to play, I think. You know what? You won me over. I I, I think, I think, I think like, really, what are you going to accomplish by sending Gardner Minshew out there? You know I love Gardner Minshew. And, like, worse worst comes to worse. What? He looks like the worst quarterback in the end, as, as I'm going to let Brian talk here. Worst comes to worst. What happens? Like, he's the worst quarterback in the NFL and you're picking number one and you can get Caleb Williams. Like what? There's no downside to this pick to me. I don't know. I, I mean, the downside is that you get back in the cycle and you have to draft another quarterback three to four years from now. Cause you screwed it up. Right. But I think the two, I, I just, I found love in a hopeless place just now. Cause Bradford and I both have an affinity for Gardner Minshew. Uh, <laughs> and I think, I think there are some things that you can do with his Indianapolis Colts offense, right? Everybody knows that Anthony Richardson, Anthony AR is going to be the starter. Sorry for that. Um, you can work him in, in series, right? You can give him a, a series or two to run plays if that's the case, but you're not wrong on the sense that he has to get reps. And I think we talk about, you know, like, well, he can sit on the sideline, he can study, he can learn. That only takes you so far. You've got to have those actual moments where you're dealing with mistakes. You're dealing with being quarterback is a little bit like being a politician, right? You have to stand up and answer questions at the end of the game. We saw Zach Wilson fumble his way through an entire season having to do that. And it led to, you know, a mental breakdown and, and, and really a complete loss of his fundamentals because of it. Now he gets an opportunity to have somebody there to tutor him through it. Right and give him some some breathing space and some opportunity to, to get back to what he does well without having to carry all the pressure of the outside media stuff. 
Um, I think that's the part for, for AR that I worry about if you throw him to the dogs immediately. But give him three or four games to get adjusted. Give him a few series. Maybe give him a quarter or two, you know, and, and treat this season in essence like like an exhibition season. And, yeah, you can have a really phenomenal quarterback because every tool that you need is there. Good news is they're in a scheme with an offense, and you guys talk about Jonathan Taylor, like, screw the zone read. Let's just go midline option all the time because there are not like defensive tackles in the NFL all across the world that can defend that the way that it's designed and schemed. And that's where I think that team gets super dangerous. you got Quentin Nielsen. You've got an inside run game. You've got JT who's phenomenal on the inside zone and all that kind of stuff. Now you add this behemoth 240 pound a monster of a quarterback that made, you know, the, the Utah defense look silly in, in the very first game down in the swamp. And, and, you know, that was the leading highlight for his entire tape. Right. So that's a guy that I really like his potential going down the road, but it's, it, it's gotta be gradual. You've got to play it slow. I think the comparison to Trey Lance is curious for me. Um, just because I think part of the reason that Trey Lance is where he's at is because of COVID, right? He had a whole year of his season that was completely wiped off the books. Um, Richardson's a little bit different, but yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. Uh, it was a surprising pick, but what else were the Colts going to get at number four that was really going to impact their roster the way that Richardson does? Hmm. The Seahawks take Devon Witherspoon, one of my guys. I love this pick for the Seahawks. I mean, yes, you could have gone Jalen Carter. You could have gone Tyree Wilson. You could have gotten an edge rusher. But clearly, Pete Carroll Pete Carroll did this before with the Legion of Boom. Like, he wants to build a defense from the back. And to me, you go out and you get the hardest-hitting, most physical cornerback in the group, a guy who's going to play like, you know, some of those guys on the Legion of Boom and you just continue building on a, a good defense. I think the Seahawks did really well here to pick up Devon Witherspoon. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, Brian, I know that you, you, I think you had Christian Gonzalez a little bit higher, but what do you think of the idea here that the, the Seahawks say, you know, we're okay coaching up guys in our pass rush. Let's just really focus on stopping the passers in the NFC? Uh, well, it, it's just a really smart move for Seattle, but I think the part about it that doesn't make sense is he's not the traditional corner that they go for in terms of measurables and size. They like those long, aggressive corners, but they haven't been able to find a lot of them to do the job. So why not fold up a little bit on, on a, you know, on, on needing a guy who's 6'2 or 6'3 and, and take the best corner, the most physical corner, the guy who who plays better as he talks trash and that dude just wants to hit people and he is angry when he plays football and you kind of love it uh especially because he can back it up and you know i i think with a lot of the way the seahawks have played defense over the years the the things that maybe kind of worry you about him drop off the list a little bit but i don't think uh i don't think gonzalez was the fit for them you know uh he was he's kind of a a floater, right? And and with him going to New England, I think that's either a boom or bust potential for him. They're either going to get the cream to rise to the top with him, or else he's just going to kind of float off into the distance. And and you know the athleticism is there, the ability is there, but when you talk about who got that dog in him, Devin, uh, you know Witherspoon has it, and I think that's 
really why they decided to pull the trigger there. And again, it goes back to the same thing I mentioned at the top of this. How many legit can't miss awesome prospects were there really in this draft? Five or six. Um, and he was one of them. So, you know, at, at pick five, if you're not getting a deal that you like, why trade back and go get someone you don't like just to get more capital when the guy that, you know, fits that criteria is right there at the top. I feel like, Brad, on this one, you probably don't have much to say about the bum Witherspoon. I don't have too much to, to say, but I do. I like I, I, I've, I've watched some Witherspoon. I think I, I do like the, the, the Witherspoon Tariq Willem pairing a lot. I think I think that'll that'll bear some some good fruit for Seattle. The Cardinals trade back up with the Detroit Lions who moved down. Uh, Bradford, can you Google me uh, I, if you have your laptop up, just the details of that trade really quick? You, you, I think I could use you as our, our trades are tonight, uh, and you can maybe tell us what, what Detroit got in that as they move back. But, of course, we're going to go to our offensive line guy here. Paris Johnson Jr., I thought this was one of the first really big surprises of the draft. You could obviously see Witherspoon going top five. He was just that good of a player. But the Cardinals go an unconventional route for the best offensive tackle available. What what do you what do you think about this pickup for them and the way that they've they kind of attacked this first round? Well, I think the the snobby breakdown there to me is curious if Mm. Paris Johnson's a great prospect, right? I think the athleticism is there. The size is there. He's played at multiple positions at Ohio State, so you know that there's versatility. So even if he doesn't really latch on at the left tackle position or you have a chance to get better at that position down the road, he's useful, and he can play on either side of the ball, and he's done it well. So I think that's one of those parts where you add in add that in the mix, and it's like that makes a lot of sense. You're also appeasing your, your – uh, can I call him baby QB? Sure. Boss baby QB back there, old uh, Chiron complaining. Uh, this is all branch to him. Like he, like that's just you know, I, I he is like like you're leaving him with no answers, right, or no options. Like so, if you don't get it done this time, Chiron, and we've gone and and picked up all or Kyler, Chiron. I'm sorry, I'm reading Kyron Samuel's tweet while I'm talking about it. But it now you've kind of locked him into a, an area where it's like, all right, you got to produce, bud. You know, you've got stuff. You've got offensive linemen. We'll see what happens with DeAndre Hopkins. I think he gets moved before the season starts. But, um, yeah, well, <laughs> pray for us all if that's the case, as, as, as Bradford flashes his KC hoodie. But, uh, you know, I don't know. He's the best prospect in terms of pure tackle prospect, right? We talked about Skaronsky on, on the, the Football Breakdowns pod, and I like him. I like his game. But – uh, Paris Johnson is just he's it was either he or the kid from Georgia in terms of the most athletic tackles and so I think it's a good solid pick and the fact that you got some draft capital out of it and that team needs tons of help and they need young rookie contracts and they need guys to start producing on on low val low dollar deals right because they're gonna have to load up at some point and and be a better franchise um I I, I don't I don't I didn't love it when they announced it, but the pick makes sense. And it's a good value pick. And and I think we've seen in this draft how early offensive linemen went. It just tells me that the level of the skill positions and some of the other positions was just not up to par with what people thought it, it could have been, right? And I think we're seeing that now as there's a run on wide receivers in the 20s. And 
we saw two running backs go ahead of wide receivers. So, yeah, we move on to the seventh pick, Tyree Wilson to the Raiders. I'm a huge fan of this one. To, to be honest with you, I'm a I'm a big Tyree Wilson guy. And the Raiders, they could have gone corner here, but as we've heard over and over and over again, this is a very deep cornerback class. And I think there will be good guys available for them early tomorrow when they pick again. I think that this edge falls off after the first round corner doesn't quite as much to go out and get a guy with a high ceiling like Tyree Wilson and to add him to Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. I suddenly look at them and right up there with Kansas City and uh, Los Angeles as one of the best pass rushes in the division. I hate this pick because it basically just ensures that the Broncos are locked in as having the worst pass rush in the division by far. But man, if Tyree Wilson can play well early on and can get coached up, this is a pretty scary defensive line that in a few years can compete for saying we have the best front seven in this division, I think, because they're young and they're full of really explosive, good athletes. And uh, I I really, I like this pick. And it's, you know, it's Chandler Jones insurance as, as well. Chandler Jones probably only got two or three years left in him at this point. Like you get someone where you are going to have a guy paired with Max Crosby for the rest of the time Max Crosby is there. So I, I, I really enjoyed this pick. Anytime I mention anything about the AFC West, Bradford looks at me incredulously. So, of course, we're going to him first here. Okay. Well, first of all, Eric, I want to say, don't you worry about it, about having the worst pass rush. Week four, you know, I'm sure Bosa and Mack will have died by then for the season. So Broncos can get that number three spot. Don't you worry about it. No, I don't hate it for the Raiders. I think right now Crosby is really like the only difference maker on that team. Oh, I guess there's Devontae Adams. He's all right. But uh, mainly the main difference maker on that team. And I, I think that like this pick maximizes him, you know, like clearly they're going the way of like, all right, we want, we want to have like a, a thing. All right. Like something that, that lets us like take over a game. Is gonna have to be the, the pass rush here. I mean, Crosby's their guy. Like Crosby, I, I, as much as I, as I despise the Raiders, I've always been a big Max Crosby guy. And I feel like, like, it doubling down on that that part of the ball. I, I really, I really like that for them. Like, if you're not in love with Levis and you're not in love with any of like, this is not, not, not too much else there to to blow you away. It's really between uh, Wilson and Carter. It's funny that they took the the guy without the character issues. That's kind of unstereotypical of them, but I like I, I I don't I don't hate it for the Raiders. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna say some snarky thing about it. I think I think it's a solid pick. That's the weird part is it is a solid pick. Yeah, the Raiders don't really do that very often. No. I think I I, Are I you really, okay. <laughs> I really thought they were going to go with, with Levis. Like, it just kind of seemed to to make sense. But I, I, I don't think Josh McDaniels was 100% sold on the experience. And he wants, like, you know, his guy. I I feel like, like, it doesn't really push the Raiders towards, like, being anything. But it's it's not a wasted pick. And that's, that's special for him. 
Eric. Eric, you're mute. You muted yourself, Eric. Oh yeah. So occasionally I I'm like a robot. Occasionally too many things happen at once, and I just the mainframe freezes out, and I and I just kind of freeze. And I did in that moment. All right, the first and, and kind of controversial pick here, Bijan Robinson. Obviously, Brian is a smart football guy. You know, I think we all consider ourselves smart football guys. The smart football guy of our brains is going to want to say, wow, you know, running back, you're not a team that's contending. Like, what are you doing here? There's so much other positional value on the board. You could have taken Jalen Carter. You could have made your defense elite. You could have taken Christian Gonzalez and really shored up that. But the fan part of my brain thinks, well, Arthur Smith had his most success when he had Derrick Henry and when he had a running game that could move a ball at will in Tennessee, and he just got the best offensive weapon in the draft. And if Kyle Pitts takes a step up, that, that's a big if. He 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 has some upside still. They have Drake London. Obviously, quarterback is a huge issue. But adding Bijan Robinson, at least the Falcons, to me, this makes the Falcons watchable. Like, I want to watch the Falcons. Not to mention they have a nice two-headed combo with Tyler Algiers as a change of pace back. I I, I really like what the Falcons did here at, from just a fan and a football-watching perspective. I know team building, maybe not the smartest, but I, I really do like the pick, and I like adding speed and explosiveness to your team because, like we said before, that, that division's wide open. And who knows, maybe Desmond Ritter plays average, the defense steps up and they have a killer running game and they just kill people with clock management and, and win games 27 to 24 each week. Like, uh, I think that that could be a, a real possibility. Uh, CBS Sports gave this pick a D. Uh, I think that's way too harsh. I think maybe a C- minus would be more fair. But, like, I, 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 I like, personally... I don't mind taking the best. If Bijan Robinson was another running back that wasn't Bijan Robinson, I'd be bothered. But he is the best offensive skill position player in this draft, and they took him accordingly. So that's that's how I feel about this pick, Brian. I, I'm sure you you probably disagree with that take. I disagree with CBS Sports rating as a D. Because anytime you have a chance to get a top three player on a board at number eight, that's a good pick, right? I also like the fact that Arthur Smith is leaning full in on his Marvin the Martian and trying to build the Monstars version of football <laughs> skill players on the Atlanta Falcons. Let's do this. I'm all for that. What else are you going to do if you're Atlanta? We talked about it the other day. They've done a pretty good job shoring up their, their secondary. Defensively, they're not going to be elite, right? But they're going to be good enough. So why not go out and get yourself a game-breaking player on the offensive side of the football? If I change two letters on his designation and I change it from RB to APB, is it suddenly a great value pick as he's an all-purpose back? If you can line him up as an H-back, if you can line him up in the slot, if you can put him out wide, and again, I'm going back to this whole thing, you're just getting – monster athletes across the board for your offense why is that a bad thing yeah uh, i i don't see it as a bad thing at all bradford yeah i mean i'm usually very much the don't draft the running backs guy but like first of all robinson is is not 
he's not a running back like you're saying. Like he's a running back, but he's like so Christian much. McCaffrey, there are these dudes all throughout it right yeah. now that are doing this this all purpose setup, you know. I feel like I feel like the market may have overcorrected a little bit on Robinson. Um I mean People talk about like, oh, you know, like taking these running backs. I mean, look at the Saquon Barkley thing. Did you see the Giants last year? Where would they have been without Saquon Barkley? And it's like the Falcons, I really think, uh, like you're saying, are assembling this like fantastic group of talent. And I really, I don't know about Desmond Ritter, but Desmond Ritter is going to have a have a damn chance. That's for sure. Like, yeah, he, they, it's boomer bust for him this year, yeah, right? Because it was. You can't say they didn't help him out. Yeah, so if like you either put up bro or show out, and and next year they go for it and draft Caleb Williams, which now all of a sudden if you're the Falcons, like life is looking like if you put Caleb Williams on that roster with all those yeah. tools, holy, yeah, crazy, it's tough. I, another place where we might want to use an expletive, and it's my podcast. Uh, I'll use this. Bradford knows this all too well. I found I found Bradford, by the way, uh, Brian, on an Around the NFL, which is a podcast I listen to religiously, subreddit. And that is how, how, how Bradford got um, introduced into this wild universe. And they have a drop on their show of, of a great Greg Rosenthal uh, exclaiming, you know, enthusiastically, I'm going to do my best impression here. At t- at nine, Howie motherfucker! Wow, <laughs> I mean this guy. How how do the Eagles just keep getting away with this? Like like how do they how do they keep getting away with this? They take Jalen Carter at nine. He's the best player maybe in the draft. He's there. You add him to a front with Jordan Davis and all those guys up front. Too many to name. To be completely honest with you, like. But the rich just keep getting richer in this scenario. And I'll I'll just I'll just tell you right now, the NFC to me doesn't have much mystery. My pick after the Super Bowl, when when I kind of looked forward to next year, and still through free agency and right now, this is the team out of the NFC. They just they do everything right and they get the best luck. And they they just they add an absolute monster, Brian. I mean, they, I don't I don't really know like your, your team got 30 sacks last year or, or or more, I believe. And you had five players, I believe, with over 10 sacks. And you just add another one of those guys. And it's like, when are teams going to, to get a break? New, new defensive coordinator, no problem. You have the best roster in the NFL defensively. It, it, it's crazy what the Eagles are able to accomplish. Well, it, it all goes back to being smart up in the front office, right? And we talked about it again on whatever it is we call our podcast now. I don't even care at this point, Eric, but we talked about it. Like, if worse comes to worse, if you're Philly, trade up and go get the guy that you want, right? Because you have this nasty war chest of draft capital. The best part about it is you're adding a dude that now has two of his mentors, two of his buddies, two of his, you know, uh, like loyalty is a huge thing when you get to that level, right? Knowing who you can trust and who like who you can use and 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 not use use is a bad term, but who you can put in those in that inner circle that and know that those people are going to be loyal to you. You've got two of your day one boys uh, from Georgia on that roster. In addition to just like like I think the best way I can describe Philadelphia is look at a guy like Chris Long, 
If he were to go in the uh, Hall of Fame, his jersey would be an Eagles jersey, and he was there for, what, two seasons? But he considers himself a Philadelphia Eagle. And and I think that's really the unique part about that team, that culture, that front office, and, and everything that comes with it is it's not just – like we talk about things like brotherhood and, and family and culture, and everybody loves to throw those words around. You can see it when dudes who don't really have a, like a paycheck coming every month choose to align themselves with a with a program and a team and that's kind of the way it is in philly that they have that support system in place and so i think it's a great pick for them uh again like like rich get richer and it's just i think when teams make smart moves and you really build and i think howie roseman is like oh, the genius of howie roseman is he figured out like hey if i get people who are really good up front the rest of it will figure it out no no kidding well, so much of it, though, like, I, I want to give Howie credit, but also, like, GMs has got to stop making stupid trades. Yeah. Like, most of these moves, I, I find this. And, like, football, a little bit trickier. But I find this with some other sports, too. Being a GM is the easiest job on the planet sometimes. Like, so many of the stupid moves you can look at without the power of hindsight and just be like, that was dumb as hell. Why would you do that? And it's like this whole insane sequence of moves that Howie's been been pulling off with the combo here where he, he trades Wentz for first and then this first turns into this pick and then he ends up getting the Saints pick for some reason and all this like I give him credit but also like GMs get your shit together stop don't keep letting him get away with it is kind of where I'm at but oh boy is he ever getting away with it you throw Carter in there I mean man I know I know there's the concerns but like I feel like uh the Eagles are probably the perfect landing spot for him, don't you think? Yeah, uh, I I think those concerns disappear with the fact he is in the Eagles building. I just I do, and I think they were kind of overblown from the start because if you watch the and I I'm stealing this point from Daniel Jeremiah, but if you actually watch Jalen Carter play, he never took plays off. Like sure, maybe he doesn't complete as hard in practice or whatever, but when the game comes. He is playing his absolute hardest every single play and is wrecking the game every single play. I mean, to me, this is a slam slam dunk pick for me. Uh, The Bears with the 10th pick. I spent my dairy blocking like eight Bears fans. Uh, All these all these ridiculous Bear fans coming out and saying, oh, you shouldn't have paid Lamar Jackson any money at all. This guy can't even throw. Bro, you're you're a fan of Justin Fields. Justin Fields has shown he can do limited to nothing as a passer yet in the NFL. What what are you doing here? But that's that's a that's a rant for another day. The Bears get Darnell Wright, which isn't Peter Skaronsky. I don't know, Brian. I mean, I, I I'm skeptical. I I'm call me a Bears hater. I just think they're a delusional fan base and a delusional franchise who hasn't done anything for 20 years and thinks they're all of a sudden on top of the mountain because they have DJ Moore. Like that that's how I feel about the Bears right now and I, I I'm not super enthused by this pick. I I thought Skaronski was the guy and they they passed on him. Well, I I mean it had to be the fact that Skaronski is a Packer by blood and family that made them make that decision, right? But at the same time, I think it Skaronsky is not a bona fide left or right tackle, right? Like, like there is still some doubt to his athleticism. Now he's a bowling ball of a human being, 
he's super fun to watch and and i they hit technically he's really advanced it's fun to watch him you know swipe dude's arms off and use some of those more advanced techniques uh that being said i think they went out and got a guy uh that that really does fit a position for the next 10 to 15 years in darnell right uh I also think you're severely discounting how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl when Rex Grossman is your quarterback. So let's 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 pump the brakes a little bit here on they haven't done anything in the last 20 years. That's that's a difficult task because Rex Grossman. I mean, I, if if I'm drafting between he, you, and Bradford, I think I may be taking Eric and Bradford ahead of him. So I guess I just had an. I'm just annoyed with Bears fans generally. Bears that, fans, like, yeah, th- that's the thing is we gotta sep- separate the online noise and everything like that from the actual team. Get like, if you go Twitter, to a Bears man. game, like, yeah, 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 like, you can't like, get up Twitter. It's, it's the thing is the thing is with with Twitter is it's just it sucks, and you only you only get the worst of people on there. Now I'm sure normal Bears fans suck too, but like you're getting like a group of like the the particularly delusional ones. You know, and I, I feel like I feel I like always, at a certain point it's on you. I always feel like the the Bears fans or the fans that you're getting online are the fans who grew up in like Nova Scotia and <laughs> just watched the Bears growing up and never been to a Bears game, and they really just want to find some team that's popular so they can argue and fight with. It's the same thing I have with Ohio State fans, where the majority of their fan base has actually never even been to an Ohio State game. But I think if you were to go to Soldier Field and actually go to a game, you'd encounter some really reasonable understanding chicago bears fans that just want to eat sausages and uh uh you know talk about the bears Bears. i met i've met very few bears fans in my life but one time i was on a vacation visiting my grandparents and on this boat cruise that we were on it was like a little fishing boat uh looking at some looking at some whales i believe that's not relevant there was this family (laughs) this guy this guy and his this this guy and his wife they're like these old boomer types and they were talking about how they used to be Bears fans, but they had no choice but to switch to be Cowboys fans. And that right there just soiled my opinion of Bears fans forever. Like, just this random, random, like, racist dude and his wife on a boat. Like, I don't know. I, I got a question. I got a, I got a question these, these Bears guys of, like, you know, they think being a Cowboys fan is a better idea. Mm. Peter Skorotsky for the Titans at 11. Obviously got a lot of quarterback smoke over the last 72 hours from them. But to me, you know, Ron Carthons, your GM, a guy that came from the Niners system, like makes sense that your rebuild starts in the trenches. Like you, you go ahead. They needed a tackle. They needed the left tackle. Taylor Luan is gone. They did not have great protection for Ryan Tannehill last year. And they, they go ahead and, they, they take the best tackle available, in my opinion. I, I like the move for the Titans. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it. But, Brian, how do you how do you like the fit in a guy like Mike Vrabel's system for, again, a very powerful physical tackle in a guy like Skaronsky? I mean, that's the funnest part about this whole pick is that that is a great culture fit. And I've always been of the opinion that we should actually draft players best fits with franchises rather than letting franchises screw it all up and and wreck dudes and and if you think about it Skaronsky tough hard nosed loves to run block and just road great dudes he's a great fit for Vrabel and what they want to do in running the ball and it's going to make uh it's going to make uh Derrick Henry's day you know having him there to block now positionally I think is 
is what gets really interesting with that group because you know no more no more Taylor Luan there, but I don't know that that's necessarily a loss because as much as I like Taylor and as much as I love the boys and everything like that, there was a lot of issue with his ability to stay healthy and uh, you know I think he can Luan can still help a football team but just not like at that position for that price you got to be more reliable and more consistent right and then that's not again I don't want to knock dudes for getting injured that's that that's just not that's not cool because uh, injuries are, are so much more beyond your control in 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 most of situations but that being said if you're going to be a team that is going to pay that kind of money to somebody you better feel comfortable getting a player and and, and you know a, a prospect that that you uh are getting your value on right and and so i think he'll start out at at tackle that just makes the most sense to me um especially looking at their roster like they don't really have a whole lot else there um you know say what you will about andre dillard but uh he you know i think he's gonna have and and see the other thing too is that they've lost a lot up front on that offensive line like it's just there's not a whole lot there. They've got to have dudes. So, like, that's 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 really a good pick and a good pickup for them. Mm, yeah. The Lions. Am I crazy there? Because, like, I'm, I'm looking at the names on the roster, and it's like you don't have Saffold there anymore. Yeah, I know. They, they, they are very, they're very thin at offensive line. I would agree with that assessment. The Lions. I want to talk about these picks together because you kind of have to because they picked twice. They pick at 12, Jameer Gibbs. Obviously, that surprises some people. He's a running back. And then they pick Jack Campbell at linebacker at 18. They ignore cornerback entirely, which is an interesting strategy considering they they now basically have no cornerback, no number one cornerback on the roster. Um, They have some serious work to do. They, They still have a bunch of day two picks. They traded back. They got more draft capital, but there, there's some head scratchiness about this. At the same time, again, I don't hate running back picks as much as everyone else did. Does Jameer Gibbs is a great player. He is a guy that profiles as an Alvin Kamara type who is very good with the ball in his hands and as a pass catching threat. And I think it's honestly a smart move. You bring in David Montgomery this offseason, that move is still head-scratching to me because if you were going to draft a guy, why, why'd you do that? David Montgomery, to me, profiles as their new goal linebacker, basically. He's not super fast or explosive. He's just kind of a guy. But Jameer Gibbs, to me, he, he kind of looks like a guy like DeAndre Swift. And considering DeAndre Swift is a walking IR spot, I think it was smart for a team that is going to has shown that their identity is going to be a run first, run the ball team, and then work the play action off of that. I think it's smart to go out and get the second best running back available and the other first round running back. Maybe you probably could have done it at 18, but they just did it at 12. And then in reverse, they get the, one of the better linebackers in the class who just fits as a Dan Campbell guy. These are both culture fits to me. Like, you were saying earlier, Brian Bradford, I want to go to you on this one. How, how do you feel about these picks? Are you with the, the draft mob saying, man, what, what are the lions doing here? Or do you, do you feel like, oh, it's, it's okay. They'll, they'll be fine with these picks. 
It's it's okay. I, I actually like the Jack Campbell pick a lot. I don't know. That name sent shivers down my spine as an Oilers fan. But uh, I think that I actually like the Jack Campbell pick. He's an absolute athletic freak. Uh, some of his testing scores were just absolutely out of this world. And I, I, I don't mind that one at all. Uh, the, the Gibbs one, that, see, that's – he's still – he could still be a difference maker. But that's one where I start – I get that little bit of streak in me where it's like, mm, why are you thinking of running back that high? Why are you doing that? You know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. But I don't hate it. I really think the Lions should have prioritized defense considering their offense was absolutely fantastic last year. And I, I guess they're just, you know, sticking with what they're good at. But, like, <laughs> the corner position was such a travesty last year for them and single-handedly cost them a playoff spot. Like, I, I, I question – I question taking a running back when offense really isn't your issue at all. Like they got a very dynamic offense and I don't know if it'll be quite as efficient as it was last year, but it'll still be pretty damn good. Especially when Jamo comes back from his stupid suspension. Uh, I just, hmm, I don't know. It leaves a weird taste in my mouth. You know, like I, I just had a taste of Jameer Gibbs and the, the food didn't come, didn't come quite, quite, quite back right you know and like i trust brad holmes like in general i think he's a pretty good gm and i think he's been really hitting it out of the park lately so i think he's earned the trust to make this pick but it makes me a little uneasy as someone with a big soft spot for the lions if if i were to ask you like say that they had taken a slot receiver with some positional versatility along the lines like debo samuel to pair with amon Ra and everybody else that they've got on the offense there would that jones you up a little bit more about it I mean, I think I would still feel the same way about it. Like, I feel like in terms of the offensive difference makers on the boards, like I, I feel like Gibbs is probably the right choice. I just, I just feel like it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm open minded about a pick like that. Like, I wouldn't mind going for a receiver there either. But it's, it, it feels like, it feels like defense was such, a, such a problem for them, and they've done so little to address that now, and now they're. Their big premium picks out of the way. I don't. I don't know. I think Brad Holmes has 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 the benefit of my doubt, though. They've got a slew of picks coming up here in later rounds, though, and I think the one cool thing that you can kind of bet on with Man Campbell and the rest of the crew of the Lions is if you you find some dudes with some chips, you can make players out of them. Right? Mm -hmm. That that culture is becoming kind of a like. I think that's part of the reason why Okuda didn't last there. He's not one of those – he's not that kind of dude. Like, he does not play passionate. He does not play – Good. Uh, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, like, he's not – like, he's not one of those all in or in the way – like, he kind of has that too cool feel or that too yeah. cool vibe for him. And I think they're – like, they're all in on culture fits and that kind of thing. So, like, I wouldn't put it past that group to find a third or a fifth round dude that can be an impact player on that defensive, uh, you know, backfield or or defensive side of the ball the the hard part about it and and this is where i got to lean on on you guys because i'm so much more in the college football thing but we're seeing that college football universe is becoming more of an nfl thing right where it's positional versatility is such an important thing and i think where you can have guys who you can plug in in multiple things and and they've got a boatload of running backs but the nice thing about jameer gibbs and everybody has kind of said it the top end comp is Alvin Kamara. So if you can put him in the slot and let him do some things there, the other thing too, man, like they can run some awesome screen stuff 
And also they've got the best tackle tight end combo in football and Panay Sewell and Panay Sewell. So. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't think it makes them a worse team by any means. <laughs> like it's just, this draft sucks like that though. Right. Like, would you want, I mean, if we're like, so like looking at some of the defensive players that went off the board after him, cause I'm with you. Like I, they, they announced the pick and I was just like, what? Huh? Yeah, it was what? my reaction as well. Yeah, I was just like, this that, that doesn't make any sense. But would you rather have Lucas Van Ness, Will McDonald, Emmanuel Forbes, Christian Gonzalez? Mm. I'd rather have Christian Gonzalez. I think, yeah, I kind of I, too. I, I think you've entered actually the perfect zone here, Brian, because as we know, if we went this in deep on every single player in this draft we would be here for three hours so we're going lightning round here until the the run on wide receivers starts and really christian you just gonzalez, want to talk you just want to talk about dalton kincaid i see i see right through you Eric. christian gonzalez lucas van s this is just hilarious the packers are just addicted to not helping their quarterbacks at all why what <laughs> why give any faith to your guy that has never played any meaningful nfl snaps and is working with Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs as his one and two. Why? Why give him any hey, no Christian all? Watson slander? He's no. actually he's actually kind of spicy. No, let's go ahead and let's just do what we always do with if we're the Packers. We just draft a really tall, really big, really long wingspan defensive player and hope it works out in a few years. Because most of the time, it doesn't work out for them until they get like two or three years in. And I think that's what we're getting in Lucas Venice. That's just how I feel. Brian. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, the, the thing with Van Ness is uh, for one, for a defensive tackle, he, he pulled an awful lot of beautiful women in the, uh, on the draft couch with him. So th- there's gotta be something to his, his game of substance. But I think everybody has said the same thing, you know, for, for all the athleticism and the ability he has and the get off and that, that quick twitch he has, as a defensive tackle, he's raw. Now, I my argument with that kind of stuff is that you're coming from a program like Iowa. I, I, like, there's probably a reason that you're raw, and it's because that's all they do is fundamentals. You know, they they there's there's no ice cream in Iowa for for the team after games. It's just you know, mush and and uh, whatever else boring foods people eat. I don't know. I can't even make jokes about it because I eat spicy stuff all the time. Um, but it's that that roster i mean man they're such a weird team you know because they've got some real talent there and and i think i think they're in the midst of a culture shift and yeah you are bringing in a new dude to play quarterback after the you know the legacy that that rogers left behind and and everything like that and i don't know that that fan base has super high expectations there is some talent there offensively god they got like 60 tackles that's so weird um but like there's just not nothing game breaking right and and that wide receiver core you know is i like christian watson too you know i think he saw saw flashes from him and maybe not having aaron Rodgers yelling at you all the time or treating you like you're in your own darkness room maybe that'll help him grow a little bit too but uh i don't know it's just another one of those picks that just doesn't do much for me but like i just I don't see the value of taking him that early. And I've never, but I never loved the Packers first round draft picks anyway. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see Steelers. I mean, Steelers do Steelers things. 
Steelers do Steelers things is how I define this pick. They go ahead. They trade with the New England Patriots, by the way. Sneaky kind of storyline to feel the the Patriots bang the Jets. The Jets got Aaron Rodgers, but the Patriots say, we're still big brother. You're not going to get your tackle that you crave. And the Steelers get Broderick Jones. Great player. He's a guy I liked uh, from hearing what other people had to say is obviously I'm not an offensive line guru, but I think this is smart to protect your young quarterback in Kenny Pickett. They also have the first pick of the second round. They could take one of these second round wide receivers like they always do. The Steelers, per usual, just good at drafting. Good at drafting and good at making picks of talented football players and building football rosters. So I, I think this is a pretty smart move. Brian? Yeah, it's, I mean, Broderick Jones is like you took a, oh, man, I'm trying to think of uh, Luke Cage and put him in a football uniform, and he's just out there destroying people on, on the football field. It's it's aggression. It's athleticism. 49740, and, and look, I know that the 40 time is is not a uh, end-all, be-all, but what that shows for a dude that's like 6'5", what is it, 311, uh, is that there's a nasty bit of twitch to him, and for someone his size, I, I actually think that Broderick Jones is one of my favorite prospects to watch just because people that big are not supposed to be like able to move like that. Um, and so, you know, you sacrifice a little bit of draft capital, but you get a dude that I think, again, talk about a culture fit, right? Like, like aggressive, no holds barred, no nonsense coming from a program in Georgia where they develop guys. Well, uh, I think it's going to be a good fit under Mike Tomlin and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think, yeah, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but the, the Bengals just draft, drafted Miles Murphy uh, from Clemson. So you look at that division and how much rush there is. You've got to have an athletic tackle who can handle that, and we'll see how he adapts to everything else because I think that's the part about the NFL that's crazy is you never know who you're going to be handling when you're, uh, you know, when you're a left tackle, uh, whether it's an edge rusher, whether it's a blitzing backer, but um, – I mean, the good news is at least he doesn't have to face the Steelers' defense during games, just in practice, right? Yeah, definitely. Will McDonald, Emmanuel Forbes. Let's just hit these two picks together really quick. Obviously, the Will McDonald picks, kind of a pivot, but of the two, I like that one more. I think the Jets, obviously, a lot of people were hesitant on this pick. I understand why. Like, it, it does feel like a little bit of a reach. But I think Robert Sala has shown us enough in the first two years that he's been coach where you can trust him and you can trust him. This is a Robert Sala type player, a guy with a lot of bend, a guy who's really going to come fast off the edge. I like the pick for the Jets. I do. I think they can develop him into a, a decent player. Carl Lawson is an injury concern. I, I like the pick for the Jets personally. I, I, I wasn't a fan of people crucifying them. They didn't really have a choice. This was just the way the board fell for for them, and I think they took the best player for their system. Brian. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's uh, the the funny part about it is just the uh, the Mina Kimes meme of uh, you know, uh, "Hello Darkness, my old friend" for Aaron Rodgers not getting a offensive prospect in the first round, but they got some dudes on that offense. I don't think he really has room to complain. And uh, listen, like you just. That's a team that sounds – we talk about things that you shouldn't feel good about saying, 
I mean, the Jets have proven that they know how to draft. So, yeah, that's weird. I, I, I doesn't even feel good saying it. Right, like, like uh, uh, Manuel Forbes. Uh, I mean, I think this is a tell on the Commanders that they are just punting this draft season. Like, they don't have an owner. They don't know exactly what they're doing. Emmanuel Forbes had a lot of turnovers, but, like, he's 166 pounds. Like, you're you're adding him to a secondary that already is kind of full of undersized guys? Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that. This is the pick I love, though. I mean, Belichick sometimes goes and does things like draft guys from D3 schools in round one. But he goes out and he gets the traitsiest, most moldable corner in this draft class. I freaking love this pick. I, I think within two years, we're going to be talking about Christian Gonzalez as a guy that's battling for all pro spots because he just fell to the perfect system, the, the perfect scenario. He's a man corner at heart, and that's what the Patriots love to do. And now they've got a pretty good young cornerback tandem and uh, yeah, I like the move for the Patriots. I, I I have not always liked what the Patriots do in the draft, but I thought they were a big winner tonight with this pick, Bradford. Did you say my name? That's, yes, I did. That's my name. I'm going to be real honest with you, Eric. Right now, I'm on three hours of sleep, and I listened to every single word that you just told me, and it went in this ear, and it became <laughs> a part of the soup that is inside my head right now. And so... I'm just going to say that I agree, I agree with everything that you just said. That was a great point, Eric. Fantastic. Wonderful. Great analysis. You both like the pick, then. Christian yeah. For the Patriots. I, like I, actually do, I actually do like that pick. I I forgot what we were talking about for a second. I'm so I'm so tired. Moving has just turned me into a little jelly man. I'm just I'm, – I'm so done. Uh, yeah, I actually like that pick. It, it feels very Patriots-y, and I feel like Patriots-y moves usually work out for the Patriots. So – you don't like the move as much, I'm guessing, Brian. No, I, I think it's a great move. I just don't know. So I, I think Gonzalez, for me, is is the most boom-bust guy in terms of, like, the measurables are there. Is is he going to be a guy who fits in and, and fits your, your scheme and, and your culture and everything like that, you know? Uh, the intangible factor is the one that I'm really curious. Um, I think he was playing in a good system to be developed. I think that that's one thing Dan Lanning has done. Uh, at Oregon is, is he's brought in some good coaches to really do some coaching and give guys some some fundamentals. I think you saw him improve a lot last season, and that's a big deal, especially after they just went and let a wet fart in that game against Georgia. Um, but yeah, it's I, I mean, this is the thing is I, I, the Patriots are such an enigma to me as a franchise because I just they've been good for so long are they starting to lose their edge? But at the same time, this is like kind of a no brainer pick, right? Like do that. That's, you know, higher up on the board, that level, you know, I think it's worth, worth the quote unquote risk. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Kalijah Kansi. Just a quick note. I did some final, uh, two or three days ago, did some final YouTube deep diving on some of the defensive tackles because I didn't feel as prepared. I love this guy. I mean, yeah. I know it's insanely stupid to say this, but he does kind of, he he went to pit. He tested the same way as Aaron Donald. He's not Aaron Donald. Okay, I get that. 
But you pair this guy with Vita Vea. Vita Vea is more of a pocket pusher, run stuffer. Kalajdzic Kansi is a guy that will get up the middle and get to the passer. I think Jason Light's doing a good job here. I, I think he sees that this is a rostering transition, but that he still has talented pieces on it. And I think he's going to keep this defense young and competitive. And it wouldn't shock me if he takes some young offensive players as well. And if Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield this year and they just suck, they're going to have a shot at a top quarterback next year and a chance to speed up a rebuild. I, I, I loved this pick. For the Buccaneers, I thought of the teams with only one pick, this was one of my favorite picks and one of my favorite dra- moves of the night. I thought the Bucs were huge winners. I, I I really loved this pick. You heard it here first. The, the Buccaneers just drafted Aaron Donald. Uh, I was kind of like, I, I was kind of thinking they should take Levis there. I don't, and you know, I'm very anti Will Levis. I don't trust that guy at all. After trying the whole mayonnaise and the coffee bit. Just messed up, dude. I I tried that. It was disgusting. I knew it. Why disgusting. did we not do that on the podcast? Oh my gosh! It was not something that I. Had, uh, that's I had, a long story that we don't have time to. We get don't into have enough right time now. for the story, Brian. Another time. But I did try Mendes and coffee. I did not try whatever other insane thing. Like straight up eating a banana with the peel. Did you see that? What's wrong with this guy? He's scared of milk. Like I just. I, I cannot with Will Levis, but it kind of made sense there. Cause like, <laughs> who's the Buccaneers quarterback right now? Help me. Is it Kyle Trask? That can't be right. Trask master. Baker Mayfield. Like, what are we doing? Baker like, Mayfield. Um, Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield's there. What are we, what are we doing? Oh yeah. The good pick though. Like I, I, I do, I do like that guy as well, but it's, it's, I, I, I mean, I feel like oh, where, where's Will Levis going to go now? Like he's not going round one. What what's what's happening? All right. This is a, a bunch segment here where we talk about we all can the speed this up a little bit because we could go breakdowns on every single pick. Yeah, where where we talk about all the wide receivers that got taken because they all got taken in the same swap. I'll just say this. I know we came in, everyone was like, Hey, this what this wide receiver class, like it's it's kind of a it's kind of a dud, there's no Jamar Chase, there's no great player. But if you look at where each one of these guys got taken, they do not have to be the number one options, and they can just be really good second or third options on their teams. And I think that's where they're all going to flourish. I loved each and every single one of these picks. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. I mean, to me, the Seahawks, because they had two picks, slam dunk winner of this draft. To me, they're the second best team in the NFC. It's just the way I feel about it. Geno Smith had a hell of a year last year, and now he has a receiving core of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, come on. Like, this guy's going to have another huge year with a great offensive line and Kenneth Walker coming back. I mean, this is going to be a great year for the Seahawks, I think. Quentin Johnson, I think his ceiling is Mike Williams, and he gets to learn from Mike Williams now. And he's a Charger. And I've been begging the Chargers to take more weapons for years. And they finally do. And it's awesome. And then the Baltimore Ravens, who I think we can start off talking with here, about here. They sign Lamar Jackson today, long-term. That is done. He is their quarterback. They go out, they get Odell Beckham Jr. They have Rashad Bateman, a guy who, when Lamar Jackson was healthy last year, showed real promise. They add a slot guy with high upside in Zay Flowers. Bradford's going to hate it. 
Bradford's going to hate it all offseason because the Ravens are one of the teams and the Bills are one of the teams that I am just going to hype endlessly this offseason. And Bradford's going to say you're disrespecting the Chiefs. But to me, both those teams and the Ravens especially now have a better set of offensive weapons than the Chiefs do. They, I really love what the Ravens did this offseason. They do this every year. They draft well. If Lamar Jackson stays healthy, that's a big if. They can absolutely compete for a shot in the Super Bowl this next year. That's just I mean, the way I feel. The Ravens will be very good. I want to be very clear. All your little hey, No, jabs. you're going to hate that. All, all your little, all your little no, 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 no. jabs. I want to make something I know how this Eric, all plays Eric, out. I want to make something Last very year clear. was the Chargers. This I want to make, I want to make, something, I want to make something very clear. I, I'm high on the Ravens, but all the Chiefs thing, I just want to be very clear. I got a Super Bowl ring in this year. Oh, can I hear you? I got another Super Bowl ring. Oh, and it goes that one goes in this year, and now I, I cannot hear you at all. I mean, first of all, Chiefs aren't done at wide receiver. There's there's there's, there's another guy coming in. I, I feel pretty confident about it. I, I was a little chapped about this run of receivers because I was kind of hoping the Chiefs would be able to snag one of those guys. And I like the landing spots for all of them. Like it just all kind of makes sense. Those are teams that need a receiver, and I think that's a good spot, good value for those guys. Uh, and now it's sort of a place in, in the receiver thing where there's there's really only like what Josh Downs left in, in terms of guys that I think could be like a real difference maker. I mean, I like I like that pick, especially especially like especially for the Ravens where it's like you settled the Lamar thing, you you all these acts of good faith, you know, bring them in, get get them some guys for once. Uh, I I like it. There's Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee is a guy that I kind of think would be an upside pick for the Chiefs, right? Because that's a speedster, you know, six mm. one eighty, maybe a little Tyreek Hillish, not, I mean, not the same level uh, explosiveness, but like that's a guy who can go catch deep. And nobody ball. is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just replacing that production, well, I don't even say like that because that's just stupidness. And then you've got Mingo from Ole Miss on the board still too. Um, so, I mean, they've got options that they could take here at the end of the draft. I think there's um, – of those wide receivers, if you had to pick one, I'm asking you both, if you had to pick one for your teams, who would you want? I feel like it's it's hard – like of, of the re- like of the receivers left or the receivers that have been taken? Of the receivers that have been taken. Uh, oh, that's tough. I, I, I think I'm a Flowers guy. But I think it might be a little bit of a little bit of tunnel vision because I definitely watched the most of him. So to be he's so good. It's our, yeah. Yeah, I am also a Zay Flowers trooper. <laughs> um that's why I'm gonna be like super high on uh you on the Ravens. Antonio Bryant Jr. Yeah, like this guy, this guy's great. I you know, I, I do love Quinn Johnston. I just think I think that's a perfect fit. I mean, just get a guy that can run deep and catch balls from Justin Herbert and be another big-bodied wide receiver. The I mean, I do. This is where the process begins. We've already, we've already. This, this is, this is the seed every year, every to the, year to the Chargers preseason championship title. Every year, I can already see it building. This every is just year. step one. Uh, we must, we might, if we must do this dance again. Every year, man. <laughs> every year. No, that, I think that's where I go. I will say the Kirk Cousin excuses are pretty much over. 
uh, because now now you have Justin Jefferson and you add Jordan Addison. Ooh, I mean, you've got TJ Hawkinson there as well. He's got pass catchers. Like, go out and do it, Kirk, or or they can move on next offseason. This is make or break. This is do or die. Kirk's playing for his next contract next year. So they they definitely did their best to set him up with the most offensive weapons. I, I mean, the Vikings definitely have a chance to win that division in a wide-open division. I think I might like their roster a little bit more than I like their Lions. So I, I because I just like Kirk Cousins a little bit more than I like Jerry Goff. But yeah, I I I I think that that was a slam dunk pick as well. Giants do another smart giant thing where they went up and and got a cornerback. I think Deontay Banks was an underrated guy in, in this draft, who could be another guy that they add to their secondary. Their recipe is to win with an elite defense and a ball control offense, and they went and they got their guy for that. And the moment of the night that we we me and Brian have been waiting for Dalton Kincaid to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I'll, I'll let you start here, Brian. But I mean, there's there is quite literally not a better fit. Like there's not <laughs> like <laughs> like if if ever ever Josh Allen needed a safety valve that he can just throw the ball up and somebody will go and get it. It's Dalton Kincaid. And I don't know if y'all were watched which broadcast y'all watched. Um, but I've been watching the social uh, broadcast for ESPN, which uh, all you need to know about that is Spencer Hall showed up in a hoodie and a T-shirt that said Mama Tried. <laughs> so, um, and, the, and you guys being NFL guys aren't aren't big on Spencer Hall, but he's kind of like, like the voice in college football in terms of just, you know, funny stuff. Um, he's also really well-informed, but they were freaking out over how good a pick this was because – you know, Kincaid is a first round talent. He is a phenomenal tight end. This is like Mahomes getting his uh Travis Kelsey. This is like or uh yeah, I'm starting to feel it too. Um that's what this is. It, it's Josh Allen getting his guy that he can go and have for the next ten years. And and Stefan Diggs is throwing helmets on the sideline after games. Well, look, they're going out there and they're making that offense bigger. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm, I was thrilled with it. I'm thrilled with it for Dalton for one, because he's going to go to a good franchise and, and a good situation. He, he's going to be with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's always good for, for a tight end. Now the bills still have holes that they got to go fill in the run game, but I don't think that that was going to happen in the first round. Right. And then in 26 where they're, uh, well, I guess they were technically further back. Right. And then they traded up. Um, you weren't necessarily, I mean, like, Oklahoma, like Jacksonville went and took Anton Harrison, the the tackle from Oklahoma. And I don't know that he was necessarily a first round dude in my book, but I don't think he was going to be a, as much a game changer as Dalton Kincaid is for him. And, and that's just a great fit. I'm the other thing. I'm really glad that Dalton didn't go to Dallas because that would have been miserable. <laughs> yeah. We, we can talk about the Dallas pick just briefly here. CBS Sports gives him an A. I, I have no idea who Mozzie Smith is. I'll just All be completely... I care about with Mozzie Smith is for his draft profile, he took his shirt off on <laughs> national TV. Okay. Well, 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 that's pretty cool. Don't know much about Mozzie Smith, but but uh, CBS Sports, you know, Cowboys fans, I guess, can come after us, but... You got an A from CBS Sports, so we'll say good job, Cowboys. Run stuffer. That's all you need to know about him. He's going to two-gap. He's going to allow some of those 
going to allow Micah Parsons to do more Micah Parsons-ish stuff. He's going to allow that edge rush to be more dominant. Like, he's not going to be an every-down guy. But, again, we're in the later round of the first round. You're not going to find, like, I, I, I don't know that you're going to find massive game change, you know, roster-changing dudes at this point. So, solid pick, sure. Finally, the run on kind of pass rushers at the end of the first continues. So many other guys got taken in his first round, it feels like. Miles Murphy to the Bengals, Brian Brees to the Saints, Nolan Smith to the Eagles. One, Eagles, holy shit, how did they just get away with this, to be honest with you? Like, they literally just got two freaks. And, like, they got Nicobe Dean last year. Like, Nolan Smith, like, you could just move Nolan Smith to inside linebacker, and suddenly you have the best inside linebacker duo in the NFL. It's crazy. Brian Brees, I like him a lot. I know that Saints Twitter is pissed right now, though, because they really wanted Nolan Smith if he was there. And Miles Murphy was a guy Ryan really loved throughout the draft process. And I think it's smart for the Bengals to beef up that defense because they obviously have enough offensive talent to hang with the Kansas City Chiefs. They proved it over and over and over again. But to get another guy that can get after Patrick Mahomes and make his life a little bit harder, I think that was a really smart pick. I liked all three of these picks, to be honest with you. I, I... I don't know what uh, what you have to add on these, Brian, but I felt pretty confident and positive about all three of these picks for all three of these teams. Well, I, I mean, I talked about uh, Brzee is a guy that I really loved uh, as a prospect, and, and that's one of those ones that uh, popped in there for the Saints uh, there at the end. And, and look, this is a dude that dealt with a ton of injuries, a kidney infection, lost his sister to cancer. So his, his that 2021-22 season – was rough and he was still super productive. Um, so I think it's a great value pick for, for the saints and then a, a good landing spot where they're going to need him to be a dude and, and in that defense and that'll help him. Uh, you know, as a former, I, I'll call myself a recovering Bengals fan. Um, you know, miles Murphy is a great addition to that team. And, and this reminds me of when they went and got Geno Atkins, uh, in years past when, when the Bengals are good and they're able to draft those kind of value guys later on uh, that's, that's huge. And then, you know, Nolan Smith to the, to the Eagles, it's just like, Oh, so the Eagles really won the draft. And that's, that's fair. Yeah, basically. And now we just sit while uh, don't, if anyone knows this pick, please don't spoil it for me quite yet. Now it is on the board. Felix. And DK. Uzama, any any relationship to the other Uzama in the NFL, Brian? Uh, I don't think so. That's one of those names that's kind of like uh, Tapua, okay. you know. Uh, so I, I think Uzama is a pretty common name in, in that regard. But uh, you know, uh, Kansas City or uh, Kansas State Wildcat uh, value pick. If, let me ask Brad for this. As a Chiefs fan, do you even bother with the draft? I don't care too much. Like I care, <laughs> but like I care, I care much less now that they, they won. The thing about this guy, I remember because I I've done the thing is I'm not I don't have the time to be a college football guy. But I did like kind of like just like a a, a preliminary toe dip into all the kind of like higher touted guys. And the thing I remember about this guy, his arms are straight up photoshopped on. Those are not his real arms. There's something so weird about 
his limbs. Like he stole somebody else's limbs. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Like the proportions are all wrong. Hopefully that will make him very effective. But I don't know. Something about something about his arms make me so uncomfortable. Like I've I've never seen arms built like that before. Like what? Why? Why? Like they they go down to his knees. I don't. This 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 is crazy. But uh, I think uh, it's is a bit. It's not gonna hurt, you know. Like, <laughs> it's. It, what does it matter anymore? What are we doing? Like once, once, you once. Go get Kadarius Tony in the middle of the season for like a third round pick. Like, that's the problem when you've got it. When when you've got a solution at quarterback, and I think it's what allows the Eagles to take risks. What allows the Chiefs to go and get whoever it is that they want, right? When you're when you've got the solution at quarterback, it allows you so much more longitude on everything else. And he yeah, does have massive arms. It's his arms are so goofy. Those are the craziest arms I've ever seen. I think that uh, once you win, it's just kind of like like I'm still very emotionally invested. I love the Chiefs very much, but it's like I'm, I it 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 doesn't keep me up at night anymore because it's just like oh this guy will probably make our defense slightly better. Like I, I guess that matters. That that helps win football games. But I've I've reached such a state of peace and equilibrium with the whole sport that this pick does not elicit any emotion in me, but it doesn't elicit a negative emotion in me. So sure, I kinda like the guy's name. Like it's it's kinda it's kinda funky. I know DK Uzoma. Yeah, it's it's I, I think it's got like some uh some spice to it, you know? Like that's a cool I feel like I feel like right now the Chiefs are just like collecting all like the craziest names on the board. Like, I mean you got you got like Legarius Sneed, mm. Kadarius Tony. Mm. I like I, I like it. They got some they got some diverse names. With that, we'll ask one simple question and then say goodnight. <laughs> Who won the draft? Brian. Night one. Uh, I think we won the draft because that was an absolute blast of a good time to, especially there in the the middle picks. But um, no, I, I I think NFL fans won the draft. I'll go ahead and say that. Congrats, uh, Roger Goodell won the draft because he got a free back adjustment there from uh, Tyree Wilson. And content makers won the draft. No, um, I I mean I kind of said it earlier. It's it's the Eagles if we're looking at an actual team. I think getting out of there, you're recreating one of the greatest defenses in the history of college football, uh, and you're doing it with some of the best pieces that they had in addition to everything else you have on that roster. It's just filthy. Um, that just It kind of just sucks, to be honest. It's Brad. hard not to pick the Eagles, eh? Yeah. Like, it's, just kind of, it's just kind of the right choice. You know? I, I mean, I, I, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, are you really th- enthused? About about things after this first round, not really. Uh, well, I think you're excited. I think it's like yeah. we got a direction. Like you can get excited about Bryce Young, but with the Eagles, it's like they got that. They already got their guy, and now the team is just getting even more comedically stacked. So it's got to be them, right? I, I think this the Seahawks are another close one there, where it's like uh, I think the key to winning these drafts might be having multiple first round picks. Yeah, seems <laughs> seems like. <laughs> Seems like that's it because I think the Texans are another one as well. But I'll, I'll say be a number two pick for me. That's I'll say this. We didn't really talk about it much, but just the Ravens. 
Ravens are such huge winners today. They got Lamar Jackson locked up for five years. He is their quarterback. They don't have to worry about that anymore. They signed Odell Beckham. They drafted Zay Flowers. They suddenly, for the first time really in Lamar Jackson's entire career, have a full wide receiving core for him to throw to. And and that's not... And, and, and say they get really crazy and they do something like trade for DeAndre Hopkins, which would make no sense at this point. But I mean, why not? Why like, not? Straight up, like, why not? Like, they... To they me, can do it. They don't, there's no reason why they can't go do it. We're we're a sleeper, absolute, total stone cold winner for me today. I I really, I am I've I love the Ravens pretty much every year. They're just a team I like, but this this year especially, I think by July I'm going to be very very in love with them. Yeah, so. I can already tell this this is about to be a very exhausted storyline with you. I can already see this the Ravens thing picking up. But that's okay. I know. I know you got to find things to distract you from the Broncos. So yeah, yeah. Let's all just dunk on Eric really quick. The big loser of a draft is the Denver Broncos. Yeah, don't, they pick. Don't have a pick till the sixty-seventh pick. Doesn't matter. Blah 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 blah. Hey, hey, hey! You got Mike McGlinchey now. Yeah, I got. Okay, my... I think you're looking up. We got Mike McGlinchey, guys. Woo! That'll that'll fix things. The McGlinch bin. The McGlinch. Yeah, the McGlinch bin. But McGlinch yeah, pin indeed. McGlinchy. Straight up, this man's Super Bowl was signing Mike McGlinchy. That's how that's how dark Broncos hey, tree is right now. The Broncos made the graphic too on uh, PFF or whatever it was uh, for all the uh, for one of the teams that'll be terrorized by uh, Tyree Wilson and Max Crosby. So kudos to you on that one too. Great, great work. <laughs> all right, with that, we sign off. We say goodnight. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Brian is doing a great pro- project called Football Breakdowns. The End Zone Podcast is basically associated with that uh, group of folks. It is a very fun project to be a part of. Brian, why don't you plug the social medias really quick, and then we will get out of here. I will timestamp this. I will put it all up. And we will be back, Bradford and I at least, maybe Mason, we're not sure quite yet, and hopefully Ryan on Sunday afternoon to recap all of the draft. And then we'll take our uh, yearly May break as we get some much-needed rest and rejuvenation from the podcast game. But it does feel good to get through an offseason. Yeah, at at FB Breakdowns on Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media outlet you're at. Eric does most of the writing and the heavy lifting there. Uh, we'll probably do some draft recaps and some stuff like that this week. Uh, the podcast feed will go throughout the season. We're going to give Eric some uh, some well well deserved time off though. And uh, football breakdowns podcast feed on on wherever you find your podcast. And then uh, you can always always follow me at Brown Bear SLC. But I don't really tweet much anymore. Twitter sucks. Nice. There it, will. It was a pleasure to meet you, Brian. I always, I always love these random characters that Eric comes up with on this show. Whenever I meet him, I always, I always enjoy them greatly. I do have a way of, assem- of, uh, of assembling random characters, don't I? Uh, with that, until Sunday, enjoy the rest of the NFL Draft. Thank you very much for tuning in. Peace out.